What is a corporate RIA? That is today's question on the Transition to RA question and answer series. It is episode number 73. Hi, I'm Brad Wales with Transition to RIA, where I help you understand everything there is to know about why and how to transition to the RIA model. Uh, if you're not already there, if you head on over to transitiontoria.com, you can find all of the resources I make available from this entire series in video format, podcast format. I have articles, I have white papers. Uh, and as I noted regarding white or podcast, sorry, if you do prefer a uh, podcast over video, if you're watching this on video now, you can find the Transition to RIA podcast on all major, all major podcasting platforms. Uh, go ahead and check that out. And again, the website, transitiontoria.com. Okay, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about this concept of the corporate RIA. So what exactly is that? How did we get here? And kind of what, what exactly is this corporate RIA model going to be going forward? And so that's that's what I wanted to dive into here today. So a little, a little background uh, on, on kind of how we got here. So keep in mind, uh, but with broker dealers, and so most advisors we often refer to it as, oh, they are at a broker-dealer. So that might be a large wirehouse firm. That might be a regional firm. That might be a, a quote-unquote, independent broker-dealer. Uh, and all of those firms started initially and solely as a broker-dealer. So for the initial uh, existence that, uh, of, of when they came into fruition, all of the, quote-unquote, financial advisors underneath them were brokers, solely brokers. They were registered representatives of the broker-dealer, and the way they interacted with clients was to uh, facilitate, for instance, the buy and selling of securities for a commission. Uh, and that, that was essentially all they did. And I'm not, I'm not trying to diminish the, the scope of services, but, but meaning it was all done on that, all, all that broker-dealer commission arrangement. Now, over time, as the trends have moved over the decades to, to more fee-based relationships where advisors wanted to work with their clients more in that fiduciary capacity on, and on a fee capacity, those same broker-dealers had to add an RIA to their offering as well. And that is what is commonly thought of as the corporate RIA. So while there's no regulatory definition of a corporate RIA, it's commonly understood to mean an RIA of a large firm, like a large broker-dealer firm. And so it's interesting how this has evolved, though, because, again, they are originally uh, just the broker-dealer, and then they've added the RIA. And so that's why you have uh, the arrangement now where most advisors at these large firms, these large wirehouse firms, regional firms, independent broker-dealers, whatever the case is, kind of have a, the, the dual hat structure. So those advisors are wearing two hats, most of them simultaneously. Uh, and so what, what I mean by that is they are wearing the hat of a registered representative underneath the firm's broker-dealer, and they are also wearing the hat of an investment advisor representative, an IAR, under the firm's RIA, or again, often referred to as a corporate RIA. And just to be clear, we could, in theory, call it the corporate broker-dealer. And so you have these kind of dual-hat advisors uh, that that can provide both service or services to clients both in a commission capacity and in a fee-based advisory capacity. And so that's that's the norm that we've had for the past couple of decades of most advisors wearing both of those hats. 
Now, the interest in evolution that continues to occur, and particularly said independent broker-dealer firms, we use them as an example, that that migration of, of advisors doing more and more fee-based business and, and the clients preferring that arrangement versus a commission arrangement has now grown to the point where, and so take any of the large independent broker-dealer firms, more of their client assets are now in advisory accounts, not commission accounts. The majority, more than 50% is now in advisory accounts, not commission accounts. So the RIA is now actually the larger piece of the pie than the broker-dealer is. So for, again, for decades, historically, is oh, that's a broker-dealer that also happens to have an RIA. Some of these firms, again, many of the large ones, have grown to the point now where we should be saying, no, that's that's an RIA that also happens to have a broker-dealer. And, and so it's, it's interesting that we even still refer to independent broker-dealers, and I'm guilty as charged I do it. It's, it's just kind of the, the verbiage that we as an industry use to refer to these firms. But the reality is we, we arguably should be calling them independent RIAs or corporate RIAs that also happen to have a broker-dealer. And, and, you, and I'm, you're starting to see a little of this evolution where there are some of these firms now that no longer refer to what we traditionally would have said, oh, that's your independent broker-dealer channel. They now refer to it internally. They say, oh, no, that's our corporate RIA channel. And by the way, advisor, to the degree you, you have a need for uh, to, to accommodate some commission business, whether you want to continue to do new commission business kind of as that dual hat advisor, or perhaps you just have legacy positions that you need to maintain or protect. Yes, yes, we as a corporate RA offer also can accommodate you with, uh, with your brokerage business with our broker dealer, but they have, they have reversed how, how the, the, the thought process is. It's no longer, hey, join our broker dealer. And by the way, we have a wonderful RIA it's now join our corporate RIA and to the degree you need it, we have a broker dealer alongside it. And so where that continues to evolve is now some of those same firms are going out to their advisors in, in part because they're losing advisors to the RA model. So the question is, hey, how can they kind of stem the bleeding? And, and you see this not just at independent broker dealers, same things happening at wirehouse firms, regional firms, all those sorts of things that their advisors are becoming increasingly more and more and more fee-based to the point where just to use an extreme example, let's say they're 95% fee-based already, and it's only a small portion that's that's remaining of, of commission business. And for those that are not aware, there is a way to go into the RIA model and still maintain some amount of commission business. I've, I've done uh, a number of episodes on that topic if you want to dive deeper. But, but there are nonetheless some advisors that are looking to move entirely away from the broker-dealer world, the, the FINRA world. And so that 95% through different, different means available to them, they are planning on getting that to 100% fee only. And so as opposed to maybe losing those folks directly to their own RA or some other flavor, which I'll get into, these firms to try to, to, try to remain competitive are starting IAR-only channels. And I did an entire episode on that if you want to dive deep into it. But at its core, what that is, is think of it. Those are the dual hat advisors that are under the broker dealer and under the quote unquote corporate RIA that have now basically migrated all of their business to solely be under the RIA. So at that point, effectively, they can, they can take the hat off of the registered rep. They can take the hat off of being affiliated with the broker dealer side of the house and at that point, they would be IAR only, so investment advisor representative 
only under that corporate RIA. And so that's that's a way that these firms, again, and, and at that point, you, you definitely wouldn't consider that channel as an independent broker-dealer or, or a broker-dealer at all. Uh, but that's that's the verbiage, of course, we use. But but you'll see, I think, more and more of this IAR-only approach. And again, what that is, is that is the advisor solely under the firm's corporate RIA. That's the, that's the verbiage often referred to it as. So uh, so a couple of things of, you know, how can, can these firms compete out in the marketplace? So the, the way to think about, uh, you know, these, these IAR channels or these corporate RAs is basically it's just one very large RIA. So you could be with one of the, the uh, wirehouse firms or independent broker deal firm. You are, whether you were in dual hat or you eventually maybe migrate to this IAR only concept. You are just un, you are under an RA. It just happens to be a very large RA. In some cases, maybe ten thousand plus advisors under that RA. And, and so we historically haven't thought of it that way. We think, oh no, you're you're with the broker dealer again. Whether it's a W two employee model broker dealer or an independent broker dealer, you think, oh, you're with the broker dealer. But again, to the degree more and more of your assets are fee based, you should be thinking of no, I'm with an RIA. And for some of you, it just happens to be a very large RIA. And so the question you say, hey, how competitive is this RIA that I'm with, with, with the alternatives that are out there? And so we're going to want to kind of dig into that here briefly. Uh, so some of the challenges these firms, these existing firms that have kind of evolved to this point that they, they, they started primarily or solely as a broker dealer and, and through the demand and, and needs of their advisors have have migrated to now, or in some cases, their service and advisors that are solely under the RA. The, the challenge is these firms have decades, decades of legacy technology and institutional knowledge based off of the broker dealer mindset. So for decades, they've been building technology to cater or to the, the needs of a broker dealer relationship, of a commission relationship. And yes, over time, they've added the RIA side of things and the technology has had to evolve. But make no mistake, the core of that technology was built to handle broker-dealer business, to handle commission business. And so they're now having to try to evolve that technology. They're having to try to evolve decades of institutional knowledge. Some of these folks have worked there for a very long time, which is great in many regards. But you have folks in areas like compliance or operations that have worked there in, in their perhaps their entire career. And they have a mindset of how things work when there's a broker dealer involved. And so to try to get that just to just to evolve to the point where all of that is essentially forgotten, or in the case of technology, change to, to just just the needs of the RIA world, that, that's not an easy task. And so you, you see firms working to do that, but that is not easy to accomplish. And so an example of that from the compliance perspective, uh, I talked with a, a female advisor recently, and she was saying, uh, she's at one of these firms, I won't name the firm, and they they do now have a IAR only channel uh, that she migrated from what we would traditionally think of as their independent broker dealer channel. And so she she whittled down her commission business and she moved into their IAR only channel. And I asked her, I said, well, how different is it from your experience? Again, same firm when you were in the quote unquote independent broker dealer channel. And so there were a, a few changes with the payout economics but she said from a compliance perspective, pretty much nothing has changed. And, and the reality is there's different rules that apply to RIAs that apply to broker dealers. But the challenge is it's this, it was the same or is the same compliance department that is managing both uh, the, the relationships with advisors that are still wearing that dual hat that are also tasked with 
supervising or overseeing the folks in the IAR only channel. And the reality is it's two different regulatory uh, arrangements. Again, the people under the RA or the IAR only should only be looked at with the lens of what is required or not in the RIA world. But you have these same people, again, the legacy knowledge, the legacy way of doing things, they can't just turn that off and they can't just bring themselves to say, okay, no, actually, because they're no longer with FINRA, because they're no longer with a broker dealer, we maybe don't have to do it that way. That sounds easy to do, but in, in reality, it's just not because again, you have this legacy way of doing things that they're trying to now evolve out of. Um, and even if you could get past that, even if you're, you, you do have good home office folks that operational folks and compliance folks and technology folks that can, that can buy into this new concept, of, okay, we need to just focus solely on, on how to properly service the IAR only folks. The reality is if you're at one of these large firms, you still have the problem, right? That's often talked about of, being, of the for compliance of being managed to the lowest common denominator. So if you are at a wirehouse, and even if you yourself are now 99% fee-based or 100% fee-based, you are effectively an IAR only under their, under their umbrella. Uh, but there's still 10,000, for many of you, there's still 10,000 plus other advisors around you that the firm has to manage as well. So even if you can move yourself more and more to just under that corporate RIA, there still is that compliance challenge of being managed to the lowest common denominator because they do have to put guardrails in place to try to manage in some cases, 10,000 plus advisors. So that that remains a challenge, even if you can kind of migrate more and more to just or solely under that corporate RIA uh, approach. So uh, so a lot of challenges there. And then what, what makes it even more challenging for these firms trying to evolve with their corporate RIA approaches, keep in mind, they, they have to now compete in the marketplace against other RIAs that are out there. So there's two of essentially approaches with that. Their advisors, their dual hat advisors that are becoming more and more fee-based, could, could one perhaps go start their own RA and, and set it up as they wish, or they might want to still join or, or be under an existing RA. Maybe they don't want the responsibilities of having their own RA, and that's something I talk about a lot on these episodes. And, and so there's a world of RAs out there that are that have very attractive value propositions that these corporate RAs are now in competition with. And specifically, a lot of these firms, the very good ones, they were purpose built from the start to cater to that fee-based advisor. So these are not firms that are having to unwind decades of, of technology, decades of institutional knowledge, decades of ways of doing things. These firms were built from the start to say, hey, we are going to start an RIA that is going to be uh, a good resource, a good platform for that fee-based advisor that's either solely fee-based or, or majority and just maybe has a need for some uh, brokerage solutions on the side, but we're going to build it solely with that advisor in mind. So we're not having to unwind anything. We're not having to change. We're not having to evolve. We're going to go out there with it and find the best solutions available to cater to those advisors. And, and that exists. And there are some very compelling value comp uh, propositions out there. So the challenge for the corporate RAs of the world, these large RAs that have kind of morphed into what we're now calling corporate RAs, they have to compete with firms out there that were built from the start to play in that space. And so uh, that there is a lot of uh, competition in that regard. And, and, and advisors are taking a look and saying, hey, should I maybe start my own RA? Or hey, if I, if I do still want to be under some sort of RIA, what does the competition look like? And how does that compare to the corporate RIA opportunity I, I have available to me now? And, and so what will what will it take for these, these corporate RAs to 
survive. And, and I think if, if I was running one of these firms, uh, one, again, I, I would try to get to the point where I'm no longer referring to it as a, as a broker dealer to the degree that, that more of the assets are under the RIA side of the house than the broker dealer side of the house. And the mindset has to be, we are an RIA. And so what are we going to do with our RIA to compete against the other options that are available out there? So our advisors could go start their own RIA. So how, how is our RIA more attractive, perhaps, than, than the advisor going and starting their own RIA? Or if that advisor still wants to be under an RIA, like we talked about, how does our giant corporate RIA compare to the other competitive options that are out there? And so as these firms look to compete, they should not be uh, comparing themselves as they have for decades against the other quote unquote broker dealer affiliation models of the broker dealer firms. And what do they offer? They should be saying, hey, we need to recognize the fact we are effectively now majority and RIA and our advisors continuously move towards this fee-based approach. And so if we want to retain these advisors, let alone attract new ones, our RIA needs to be benchmarked against the other RIA solutions in the marketplace. We can no longer think of ourselves just as a broker dealer and how we compare to other broker dealers. And so that that's, I think, the mindset they have to have. I'm not saying it's going to be easy for the for the various reasons I noted previously, uh, but I think that's what it's going to take uh, to compete because, again, there are very good value propositions out there that advisors have available to choose from. Uh, so I hope that helps. It's, it's kind of walked you through the, the kind of the history of how we started referring to corporate RAs, kind of what they are now and in, in kind of what they, they potentially could continue to evolve to and how they're going to compete in the marketplace. Again, there's no official uh, terminology associated with corporate RA, but, but this is essentially what is happening in the marketplace and how that terminology or how that phrase is being used. Uh, so with that, I hope you found value in today's episode. Uh, like I said, my name is Brad Wales. I'm with Transition to RIA. If you're not already there, head on over to transitiontoria.com. Again, you can find all of the resources I make available uh, entirely for free. So you can look at the, the videos, the podcasts, the articles, the white papers. Uh, and then the easiest thing to do is if you want to talk about today's topic and how it might impact you or anything else RIA related, uh, at the top of every page of the website is a contact link. Contact link. Uh, click on that. You can instantly and easily schedule time to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with me. Happy to have that conversation with you, whether you're trying to decide whether uh, staying under a corporate RA or joining a corporate RA is, is in your best interest. And, and just as importantly, how it compares to the available options that are out there. I'm a big believer that you, you have to educate yourself. You have to know what's available before you conclude, can, before you can conclude that any one solution is best for you. So I'm happy to walk you through what all those options are and how they would look for your specific practice. So with that, I hope you found value on today's episode and I'll see you on the next part.